Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and on social media. Welcome to episode 235 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am once again joined by my wonderful co-host, Ray. How you doing, Ray? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to do the Joe hello this time. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize there's a Joe hello, but you're right. There's a Joe hello. <laughs> How's it going, man? I'm so tired. <laughs> you sound tired. You do I'm sound exhausted. tired. Yeah. Um, there are 39 days left of school. Not that I'm counting. <laughs> but there are 39 days of school left. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of counting down the thesis writing days. I'm in the thick of it right now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, I think was- I'd rather be keeping going to school. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday, uh, anticipating this morning's podcast going, okay, I should think about what was my weekly geekery. And I'm like, I've been writing this fucking thesis. <laughs> I'm, I am. It's just, you know, it's a lot of citations and a lot of it. It's a lot of formatting. Yes. Which is, is really tedious. Yeah. Really tedious. So that's, that's what I'm doing now because, we're going to be turning it in, I think, in about a month. And I've done with most of my rewriting. Uh, it's all, it's endless tweaking. I'm sure you know how that goes. Oh, God, yes. It's just – and it's never going to be done. Like, it's going to be yeah. – it's going to be good enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's where you're going to get it. You're going to get it to good yeah. enough, and you're going to be yeah. okay with it. <laughs> the other kind of stressful thing related to that is that, uh, you know, my thesis, I'm getting an, an MFA in painting. Mm-hmm. And so I'm writing about the artwork that I'm making and I still haven't even finished the artwork. So in a couple of cases, I'm writing about paintings that I haven't even finished. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm having to say, you know, it's a little bit, I, I mean, I know what I'm trying to execute more or less, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> So that's where I, I've been at. Uh, besides that, um, Rosie was asking for something to watch because I'm sure you and Matt do this where there are things that you watch together mm-hmm. and there are, are things that, you know, you, you sort of decided, I don't need to watch that with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's tough because, you know, there's I, I love we love watching stuff together and there's a lot of stuff that. I've already seen, but I want to watch it again because she's watching it for the first time. Uh-huh. Um, but I did have to go like, okay, it's it's really not fair to her that <laughs> she's home. She's working from home all day and she wants to put something on. And I'm like, wait till I get home. So I said, you know what? You should start because uh, we're not really watching any superhero stuff right now. We're just sort of waiting for, you know, the next Marvel thing. And uh, I said, you should check out that show, The Boys. <laughs> oh, Wow. Oh wow! You so just she, you just you just you just open that door without any roadmap or guidance or anything. You're like, here'd be something fun. She said, "What's it about?" I said, "Ah." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, "Why don't we watch the the trailer and then watch the trailer?" She goes, "Oh, so it's like if superheroes are were real." I'm like, "Ah." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's like if superheroes were real sociopaths, right? right. <laughs> uh, so she's a few episodes in and really enjoying it, which I'm glad. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's that's I mean it's totally that's her vibe right there. So 
Well, I mean, uh, Matt, so- Matt will watch it, and he doesn't like violence, so mm-hmm. you know that's one that somehow has something that keeps him interested in it. But yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so that's I, I watched. I think I like the other day she was watching an episode, and it was kind of like on in the background for me while I was doing something. So that's really been it. Um, I I caught up with both Days of Future Past and Deadpool. I had some interesting new reactions to these movies that I wasn't expecting that I'm excited to talk to you about today. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear that. What have you been up to, man? Um, well, I have two, we, we finished two TV series that are not geeky in any way, shape or form, but oh my God, so well-written. Um, we watched the finale of the Gilded Age. Have you watched that at all? Mm -mm. Okay. So the Gilded Age is the new, um, the new series by the same guy who did Downton Abbey. Okay. And it is incredible. It's so well-written. It's so good. So good. Um, we're just every, every night, like Matt's, it come out, it comes out on Monday. So Matt's mom would be like, you have to be here on Monday so that we can watch it together. So we'd all, all watch it and, <laughs> we'd, and we'd end it like it would end and everybody would be like, I don't want it to be over. And then when we found out it was the finale, we're like, no, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> you need more episodes. I'm not okay with this. So that was so I highly recommend The Gilded Age to everybody. It's really, really good. Especially if you like Downton Abbey, it's better than Downton Abbey, and that's hard to do. Ooh. All right. Um, so that's good. And then we watched Inventing Anna. Oh, Rosie's watching that right now, too. Like, it's crazy go nuts. But, <laughs> like, because it's based on real stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we're watching it, and it, the the woman who plays Anna is the woman from Ozark, mm-hmm. and she's, yeah, she's amazing. amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. So if people are looking for series recommendations, those are the ones I've got. I mean, they're not they're not original. Everybody's talking about those two, but I I put my stamp of approval. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I I did the thing that I do where I searched the Gilded Age on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the things that came one of the first tweets that came up, the Gilded Age is truly the most insane show. There was a 54-minute episode about how to set a table. Yes. <laughs> and tonight, so I'm not I don't want to read any spoilers, but yeah, that's <laughs> Like it is, it is Mean Girls, but in the eighteen hundreds. Like, and I guess this is how it really was because this guy does a lot of historical research. But it's old money versus new money, and it's these women who just absolutely will not let the new money people into their society and the hoops that they have to jump through, and um, and the characters are amazing, and the. The, the the levels of petty that some of the characters will go to is like you're not like you're you're supposed to root for this one character Mrs. Russell but she does some just vicious things where you're like that's a horrible thing to do you go girl like it's it's so good right it's just so good <laughs> All right, this sounds interesting. I'm yeah, check I, I highly, I highly recommend. But other than that, I'm just trying to survive school. Like I'm just <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> um, 
the first, so I've got two weeks until my little musical review with my four wonderful women who oh, yeah. are willing to to stand on stage for the first time in two and a half years. Um, but it's like, <laughs> Ray, I have had about six people in the last three months say, oh, wow, now that we can have live performances at school, I can't, I can't wait to see what you can do. And oh. it's like no, <laughs> no, no, what? no, 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 don't, don't put that pressure on me. I did, I did Les Mis two years ago. This is not going to be Les Mis. This isn't right. going to even be like my college production of Snoopy. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is four girls who are singing songs that they want to sing on stage because that's what we could afford to do. So please do not, please do not put that pressure on me. Um. So I've got that, and then I've got spring break. Thank God I got two weeks. I don't know how I'm not gonna. I don't know how I'm gonna survive to that two week spring break. Oh, um, <laughs> um, and then we have um, my advanced class is putting on a night of one acts. So nice. that's a little bit closer to what I am. Like I'm, I'm excited for the musical just because it's silly and fun, and we are going to be entertained. I'm just hoping people don't go, "Oh God, this is dumb," because it's meant to be dumb. It's silly. It's about four girl pirates, <laughs> and we wrote it ourselves, so it should not be expected. No, no high level theater should be expected these evenings. Um, but then the the other one is a little bit more. You know, they're the advanced acting students. They'll be they'll be a little bit better equipped yeah um so that's what i've been doing and that's what i will probably be doing for the rest rest of the weekend because i'm not ready and they're not ready and then on top yeah. of that my stagecraft kids took a friggin month to get the shells of their escape rooms put together we're having them do i'm having them do escape rooms um <laughs> and uh <laughs> i swear ray we designed like for four or five weeks first semester and we've been talking about it all year. And we put up the the shells of these two rooms that we're going to turn into escape rooms. And that took way longer than it was supposed to because we didn't have the right materials and everything kept breaking on us. And only three or four kids per class are working on it. And I had one kid turn to me and go, so what's this for? <laughs> I just, I just can't. I just oh. can't. But I did have, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry for the audience. I'm just talking to my friend Ray right now about teaching woes. Um, so brick you, brick, you will, man. you will, <laughs> you will appreciate this. There is a kid in my class who gets on my last nerve. He is just like he's one of those little twerpy, immature kids. That, that kid, that, that kid's in every class. That kid's in every <laughs> class, and and he's just really, really immature. And immature now is ten times worse because everybody's immature, because everybody's one year back socially. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's really immature, and he is constantly getting into these like slap fights with his friends, and then they turn into real fights, and people yeah. start getting in trouble. Yeah. And it's like, just don't touch people. And he can't not touch people. He's always smacking other kids, and they're always like, they're always touching each other. Yeah. And so he actually got in somebody else's class, got suspended for it. And yay, great! But they send out an email to all his teachers: Hey, so and so is going to be out because he got suspended for play fighting. 
And it's like, okay, good. I'm glad you finally, because it's driving me nuts. Yeah. So he's in class this week and he's slapping again. He's slapping the hell out of his friends and his friends slapping the hell out of him. I'm like, you need to stop. And he's like, what? We're just being homies. I'm like, no, you're play fighting. And every time you play fight, it turns into a real fight. And I know it doesn't just happen in this class. And he looks at me like, what? And then he goes, how do you know? And Ray, I got really close to him. And I said in just a whisper, I know everything. <laughs> and then I just walked away. Because that is that is how I'm getting my jollies <laughs> these days, Ray, is trying to terrify high school students into behaving. That is, oh. that is what my life has become. <laughs> You're a sub. Cool. <laughs> That was my whole. <laughs> oh, I know. Teacher. I know. I was like, I was walking away, and I'm like, Ray would be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of, you know, Joe. You're, you're a nice guy, man. <laughs> I you're, am. you're, you know, and and uh, I, I have always sort of, um, I've always, I don't want to say been jealous of, but definitely uh, been in awe of those teachers, those many, many teachers that I've known over the years who um, there's something, you know, you, I don't want to say you rely on your, your classroom, your niceness is a function of your classroom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it definitely, you, you do have expectations of your students, but part of the culture of your classroom is that you are a good person. And your students recognize that you are a good person and they see the example that you're setting and then they want to be good people, you know, mm -hmm. but that is a culture that, you know, one has to build and there is a, you know, there's a trust and there's a real respect and there's even a, you know, uh, um, there's a, it's like a relationship, right? Right. And you're, oh. Without that, <laughs> it's, it's fucking madness, man. Without guilt, that. guilt doesn't work on these kids, right? They don't care. No. Like guilt. No. Like, before I could be like, "You're making me sad," and they'd stop. Like, <laughs> work yeah. anymore? No, exactly. And that was one thing, you know, as a substitute teacher that I couldn't really rely on. But you know, it makes sense. I'm there for a day. You know, <laughs> I, I'm coming back, but you know, it, for the time being, I'm there for a day. So. The reality is that consequences don't are, you know, they're not really real in that scenario. I love, though, that he was like, wait, so this guy knows what I did in another class, you know? Right. And I'm, I mean, probably the idea there is that, oh, the, the consequences will follow me outside of just the one class or the one instance that I do this. <laughs> that's, that's way too, that's way too self-inspective, right? He doesn't have that level. Right now, he just thinks I've got magical powers. That's all it is. <laughs> oh my God, that's great. Fuck it, grow the Gandalf beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's cause it's like, cause what people don't understand is that kids don't, they are so in their head and so themselves like so about themselves that they don't think about anything outside their immediate area. And yeah. so that's what, like I did this, I did this shit at, at uh, my old school too, because what I would do is you just listen and people talk about each other. Um, teachers talk about students. They'll talk about themselves and then forget they've told you. 
And all you have to do is just, you know, mention some things that you've heard and they'll be like, how did you know that? And you just look at them and go, I know everything. And you can get a (laughs) reputation of being that creepy teacher that somehow has clairvoyant powers. It worked for me for like four or five years at my last school. Like like I've still got kids that will comment on Facebook. Like, did Mr. Hogan really know all that stuff? (laughs) Oh God, I would love to to know what it was like when you first started back then. Like what was what was that what was that environment even like? Oh the, the first year I I started at yeah. my old school? Oh yeah. well it was awful because for the first two weeks they had a different teacher and nobody told them that I had actually been hired and she was just a sub. In fact, oh. I don't think she was told that she was just a sub. What? Oh, it was horrible. Like, it was bad. <laughs> and so when I came in, everybody was like, who the hell are you? And so, <laughs> and of course, I, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't ever student teach. My student, I, I interned. So my student teaching yeah. was on the job. And the guy showed up twice, once to sign me and once to sign me <laughs> out. Oh, my So God. I was literally just dropped into an English class. And they said, go. And, um wow. And so, like, my first year was um, uh, was was rough. It was, you know, I, I relied on a lot of silliness and tried to win over the the leaders of the the, the group. Oh, but yeah. um, but the second class was that was Carlos and Ulysses and all those kids. Oh, and um, and that was a little that was a little easier because they had me for the full year. And by then I had, I had read a book and for anybody who's ever going to be a teacher, if you read the one book you must read is teaching with love and logic, because I swear to you, all it is, is mental warfare against teenagers. Like that, like, exactly. yeah, it sounds like it's this like wholesome book and no, it's like, you can, you just have to hold out. (laughs) You just have to hold out longer than them and it'll be amazing. And the, the best, the best example I give from that book is the principal who walked in and he was like, so I heard you had a problem with miss so-and-so and And the kid's like, no, it's not true. She did this and she did that. And he's like, okay, not ready to talk. That's fine. Comes back 20 minutes later. So, um, were you ready to talk about what you didn't? I didn't do anything. Okay, you're not ready. All right. And he ended up doing that for like three hours of just coming in, checking on the kids, still not ready to talk. Okay, fine. And then finally, by the time he came back, like three, four hours later, the kid's like, all right, I did it. Because you just have to <laughs> outweigh the um, um, mm-hmm. And they're basically like the threat of of punishment is always worse than the punishment itself so just telling a kid i'm gonna have to think about it is a way more psychological torture than actually give them a punishment mm-hmm. and, and i have taken that to heart i love giving a kid like separating them or making them sit somewhere or putting them in a different kid person's classroom and then they always come back and like okay when when can i go back to my regular seat or when i can I go back to my regular class and i'm like oh Oh, there's not. We're, I wasn't planning on changing this. This was just the way we were going to do it from now on. And they're like, "Wait, what? Well, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to do?" I'm like, "You got to come up with a reason that's better than this right now, because right now this makes me happy. And so, unless you're going to change that, um, yeah, this is great for me. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll take proposals, but." You know, <laughs> it sounds like accountability. I love <sighs> it. Uh, so, so much work. 
I'm like, I never, I never, I had zero teaching instruction before I became a sub. How did I know about the mental warfare thing? Oh, that's just how I do everything all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and, okay. and ladies and gentlemen, it works on colleagues and adults too. I'm just going to let you know that. Like, oh, um, yeah. you know, the, the best thing you could do in the workplace is just know everybody's business, but never say anything. Like the, the quiet people in your office are the ones you have to be the most scared about. Not because there's some <laughs> serial killers or anything, but because yeah. they know everything. Yes, because people tell them everything. Right. Uh, my girlfriend is that quiet person. In the <laughs> she comes, she would come home and be like, oh my god, you won't believe what so-and-so told me today. I don't even know this person. <laughs> and you're like, how yeah. can I use this? And it's not, <laughs> it, it sounds a lot more devious than I really feel it is. Right, like, right. It's not like we're yeah. trying to use this, but when push comes to shove, we got the information. <laughs> yeah. If we need it, it's there. Yeah, it's a good thing that y'all are good people. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, sounds like you're sounds like you're building a hell of a uh, of a structure here, but unfortunately, <laughs> it has to happen brick by brick. At oh the my beginning. god! I don't, they haven't even rolled the bricks in right now. <laughs> We're still looking at the blank area, going, "All right, where's it going to go?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two, uh, weeks. two weeks of spring break, though. That's nice. Yeah, because it used to be a uh, – the district used to have, have some schools that were year-round when they combined the school schedules. The mm -hmm. compromise was we get three weeks off at winter break and two weeks off at spring break. Nice. And it, wow. I, have, I have needed every second of those extended breaks. Sure. <laughs> every sure. freaking second. All right. What besides sleep and sitting in an empty closet by yourself with the door closed? <laughs> How did you know? When were you in that closet? <laughs> Anything fun that you're looking forward to? Is there a big geeky project that you're looking forward to over the spring break yet? Um, we are going to we're going to go to New York for a weekend. Um, Whoa! So I'm seeing Hades Town, Moulin Rouge, and a a non-musical that I don't remember the name of that Matt found and was excited about. So we're doing that for the middle weekend of spring break, but most of the time I'm just going to try and be recovering because I'm so yeah. like, I I'm in that mode where I come home and if I can open a book, it's amazing. Like I've read a couple right. of X-Men comics here and there, but I just kind of like sit and stare yeah. <laughs> occasionally TikTok, but I just, I have no energy between, you know, the hour that I get between, between coming home and dinner is yeah. like mental reset time. Oh man. I bet. Whew. Well, hang in there, man. Yeah. Thanks. It's it'll, it'll be fine. But like I said, 39 days. Um, and uh, like, and I've been telling people they all have the same reaction, kind of like laughing and going, "Oh wait, no, you're serious. You're really counting." I'm like, "No, I I've counted, and I will be counting down for all 39 of those days." I wonder if I wonder if part of I mean, there's no way to tell. These are unprecedented times for teachers and for and for students. To be fair, right? Um, I wonder how much of a difference it is that you started out before as an English teacher, which is a four core classroom. 
And uh, now, you know, you're, you're a drama teacher, which I remember as a kid how I thought of those elective classes and where they sort of settled in my brain in terms of, you know, how serious I was going to take it. And I was an artist and I right, love right, 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 art, right. but my art classes were just a different mindset than my four core classes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also don't have like my pressure comes from me not wanting to embarrass myself by putting up a show that's not good. Hmm. Um, and, you know, do I love the subject of wanting to do quality theater with these kids? Because I do know yeah. what it ends up looking like at the other end. And, you know, it's it's really not about theater. It's about, you know, all the life skills that come out through theater. And so and plus, you know, it, so many people find their tribe in their elective classes that mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm trying. That's, that's why I got to teaching theater in the first place. But right now I just, they're just dumping kids in my classes. And so my goal over the next couple of years has to be to like recruit from the middle school. So yeah. that way when they come in, they actually have signed up for my class and they're not just yeah. placed there. That's that's totally. the biggest thing because if because if totally. I can get a group of kids that want to be there, like we can do lots of fun stuff. Yeah. But if um, but until that happens, it's just kind of me going up, like literally, Ray. The number of times I've gone up to people and go, just sign up for theater two this year. I promise you, it will be better. It's because okay. it'll be people who want to be there, and I have a full theater two class next year, which I only had like seven kids this year. So. Um, oh. That's great. I want that for you so much. <laughs> yeah, because because then when they if they if I can get all of those kids to go to theater three, then I will have a full theater two and a full theater three, and then yeah. eventually you're building up the program, and I won't ever have to teach freshmen again. <laughs> It'll be wonderful. I'll let the other guy do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. At Love and Logic has their own Twitter page with twenty thousand followers. Oh yeah. Teaching with Love and Logic is is a, an amazing book. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Are, are you ready to talk about some X-Men? I'm so ready to talk about X-Men. Okay. I think I was more excited about this week than any of our previous weeks. All right. Cool. Let's jump right. in. We'll be back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, New, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. And we're back, and we are talking about X-Men, Days of Future Past, The Rogue Cut, and Deadpool, which I think I think this is going to be our best week so far, as far as enjoyable things to watch. Although I have to, I have to throw in a, a very, <laughs> so Lyle, on his list of things that I've already put in the, the show notes, <laughs> what I have to point out is his, his comment about The Rogue Cut. 
It's a lot less red than I expected. Oh, wait, that's me being able to spell. Because, yes, everybody spells rogue like rouge, and it's hilarious. <laughs> um, I'm a little distracted at this moment. Okay. Because I was like, I'm going to send Joe this clip of there was an Oscar winner who uh, he won the Academy Award for Best Actor. And then he thanked his drama teacher, his uh, high school drama teacher, I think. And I'm like, that's so wholesome. I'm going to send it to Joe. I'm going to find that clip and send it to him just to remind him of the impact that, you know, (laughs) teachers can have. So I looked it up. It was Tom Hanks. Won, <laughs> of course it was. Who won Best Actor <laughs> in 1993 for Philadelphia. Uh, his tribute to his high school drama teacher, uh, ident- identifying him as one of the finest gay Americans, but his teacher wasn't out. Oh, no. Tom Hanks outed his teacher. Oh, no. At the fucking Oscars. Oh, my God. I did not know that. I was going to ask you if you knew that, but apparently not. No, I didn't. No, I thought the whole joke and the whole like the whole comment was going to be the fact that of all the all the actors to do it was Tom Hanks because as right. we all know how my feelings about Tom Hanks. Right, but, right. But Philadelphia, like I feel like Philadelphia was the one he shouldn't have won it for. I forget what the other one was that he should have, but whatever. Um, that's awful. Yes. Did he know? No, or was it he just didn't an know. oops? It was an oops. He just. You know? That's a big oops, though. That's a huge oops. What the hell? Oh. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, I remember the clip. I remember, you know, that uh, people, you know, remembering that fondly as I did, but I didn't know that that extra pretty fucking important tidbit. <laughs> oh, So maybe he's not as wonderful as everybody points him out to me. <laughs> No, I've told I've told you guys that that the um I always tell my kids that their one requirement for the, I don't want to I don't want your thank yous. I just want you to mention me in your uh, award speeches. That's all I care about. And the line should be none of this would have been possible without the love and support of my wonderful high school theater teacher, Mr. <laughs> Hogan. That's that's the line. Like put it yes. into your put it into <laughs> your speech now so it's ready. Yes. Okay. The speech had a different effect on Farnsworth. That was the name of the teacher. Um, Outed at the Oscars, screamed the headline on the front page of the New York Post. The real story wasn't that simple. Hanks had contacted Farnsworth, with whom he hadn't spoken since shortly after his 1974 graduation from Skyline High School in Oakland, California, and asked permission to disclose the teacher's sexuality. There you go. Okay. All right. right. Farnsworth... Farnsworth granted it. I don't mind going public now, the 69-year-old retiree told People Magazine. I didn't think I had anything to lose, although he added, if I was still in professional life, I don't know how I would have reacted. Okay, so that's not so bad. (laughs) The experience changed Farnsworth's life. It's been quite a feather in my cap, he said at the time. He became a gay rights advocate, working with an organization for gay, lesbian, and transgender teens, and serving as the Grand Marshal in an Atlanta parade for children with HIV. Boom. There you go. Damn it. (laughs) <laughs> you've won this one tom hanks You're like, that's great i guess <laughs> oh man um so i i caught up with uh we caught up with deadpool last night or the night before last um days of future past last week it's weird we're, we're kind of getting i guess we're we're it, in our decision to like how to cover these and what order to do them um 
the story's all over the place now, right? Which is always inevitable for X Men. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to explain to Rosie, like, okay, there's going to be some X-Men characters in this Deadpool movie, but they are not the same. This is like a multiverse version. Before they introduce the multiverse, which I guess they kind of did with Days of Future Past, this yeah. is like another version. So when Colossus pops up in Deadpool, I'm like, that's this guy from the first X-Men movies. And she was like, oh, okay, got it. I'm like, this is a bit more comics accurate. So, right, uh, right. yeah, it's tricky. I got to say, Joe, as first, or I, I guess, uh, first impressions, first rewatch impressions, I guess, um, I really, really enjoyed Days of Future Past, especially the road cut. Right. And when, when that movie first came out, I was just like, meh about it. I was like, it was okay. I think I was just over the X-Men franchise at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Or annoyed that Brian Singer came back after First Class. I think that's what it was. Uh, and reintroduced us to the black leather outfits. Um, but Deadpool, I did not like. Oh, you didn't enjoy your rewatch of Deadpool? No. No, not a fan of that movie, I think. Was is that how you felt the first time? Because we never no. talked about it the first time. No, I really liked Deadpool the first time. It was funny. It was raunchy. It was violent. And as it as it should be, according to the, you know, the comic the source mm-hmm. um i just bounced off of it this time i, I just feel oh, like it, how come i feel like it's aging very poorly maybe but i feel hmm. <laughs> any any particular moments is it just the the gratuitous violence of it all no it feels a very edgelordy it feels very um edgelord online comic book fan slightly toxic Snyder fan, comic book fan, what what that person, I want to say he, because it's that's usually what it is, um, thinks is funny and is sexy and is cool. It's very, uh, you know, I don't know, just kind of male and dumb. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just, which people, you know, people who don't like comic movies to say, that's the whole fucking genre, Ray, which I get, but... I just, there's, I, I was kind of watching it and I'm kind of going, what is, no, is it just me? And there was a line where, a line early in the movie in the first act where they're setting up the whole romance thing and, you know, they're about to uh, uh, do the thing where he gets cancer. And he's laying with his girlfriend, his hot girlfriend who only wants to have sex and make Star Wars jokes. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, oh, this is totally like, the hot girl, the e-girl that like all, all the dudes online, like envision as their like fantasy, you know what I mean? And at one point, even I think at one point, uh, Reynolds or Wade even says, Oh, it's like I made you in a, what did he say? It's, it's, it's like I made you out of parts or it's like I, and I'm just like, Oh, like (laughs) that's exactly what those guys fantasize about. Um, so yeah, I, and just a lot of the the it the humor reminded me of like no no it's okay for this person to be the butt of my jokes because I'm making fun of everyone equally like you know that shit right but isn't everybody making fun of that because I mean I've I have I have that relationship with friends of mine where you just dog on each other constantly because it's what you do um, and because everybody knows that it's not personal nobody takes it that way like yeah 
I feel like that's not an unrealistic, necessarily bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's also lots of, uh, there's hip hop music in it with the N word and like no black people in the movie, which that's, is not, that's not a good look. That's not, no, that's and not actually there's one black guy in the movie I was checking and it was in the scene in the bar where he gets beat down uh, <laughs> by, by oh, right, right, a right, right. white dude because that's who, de- that's who Wade has in the Deadpool that, that month or whatever. Right. Uh, and that's it. Like that's the only black person. Well, besides the the blind old lady that he makes fun of relentlessly, I don't know. It's just it. Uh, nah, you don't get the benefit of the doubt in twenty twenty two that you did in you know whenever the fuck this movie was made. Uh, and I fair. Think, I can kind of see. I can. I can see that. I can see I, where you're coming from. I think that sort of edgy internet humor, I think, has aged poorly and does tend to age poorly, you know? Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It just, it feels like written by white people that are desperately trying to be cool and edgy. And I just think, you know, there's uh, all of our settings for that, for tolerating that have sort of shifted since this movie came out. So that is fair and you got to remember we are basing this off of Rob Liefeld characters so there is going to be a little bit of that regardless if we're going to be character accurate so i, yeah. I get you i yeah. feel you but you know i still love the things i love about this movie um and uh i'm so glad that this thing it felt like at the time looking back now it feels like deadpool really like busted the gates wide open on what a comic book movie could be and how right. like there could be different genres. We were sort of getting towards that, and then they just kicked the damn door down with Deadpool, and we're like, yeah. "Look, yeah. we're not even trying to be what supposedly comic books have to do these things. We're you know we're not even trying, and we're gonna talk shit about them along the way." So right. Well, I think that's what that's the enjoyment of it is the the self referential humor and the just the 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 fact that there is no. There's no line. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's just such a shocking that was that was such a shocking thing that it's kind of like, oh, they're not gonna oh, they just went there. Okay. Right. All right. So it's gonna be right. that kind of movie. Yeah. And that's new when it's new, that's like, oh wow. And I feel like we we've sat in that long enough now to go, well, there should be a line. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe you don't get to decide where it is, but there should be one. So <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, I do think that there are, you know, it, it makes sense. I, I think there are a lot of comic book fans and comic book movie fans out there that still believe that there shouldn't be a line because having lines is not fair. And uh, they're mostly Snyder fans, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's all right. We're, you know, <laughs> we're moving on. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go back. Since we'll, we'll start in chronological order, you so you did enjoy. You did enjoy the rogue cut of Days of Future Past. Oh my god, I'm finding that I'm enjoying Days of Future Past. This is maybe maybe the third time that I've seen it, possibly fourth, but probably third. And I'm enjoying this movie more every time I see it. It's a well crafted movie. Like it, the story yes. is very structurally well done. Yep, I agree. I agree. And you sort of, you, you've been saying that about this movie since it came out. I remember. Yeah. I was so worried, Ray. I was so afraid that I was going to watch it and go, yes, I, I just liked it. Cause I liked it. Like, it's not going to like, it's not going to hold up, but it, I felt like it does. And I feel like I see why they took the rogue 
uh, took Rogue out of it, but I feel like it just feels more bookended and complete with her in it. Yeah, and if, uh, honestly, to me, it feels more true to an X-Men comic book experience. Right. There's no such thing as, like, too many points of view in an X-Men comic. No, no. <laughs> you know, you get to spend time with a lot of characters when you're reading an X-Men arc. Mm-hmm. Or at least you should. Right. <laughs> um, is this your first time seeing the Rogue Cut? No, it was my second. As soon as the, the road cut came out, I watched it. I was okay. like, because you know me, I don't watch a lot of shows over and over again, mostly because my I don't watch a lot of movies over and over again because my husband doesn't like to rewatch stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to pick and choose what I, I rewatch, um, you know, unless it's something like we're doing now or or with the, the Marvel rewatches. Um, but that one I was like, I want to see what the difference is. So as soon as they said we've got a road cut, I was like, I need to see what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about how because when it, we first started it, I swear I was like halfway through the movie and I was like, Did, are we watching the road cut? Like <laughs> Right. Because she doesn't come in until like three fourths of the way through. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like they set that up uh uh appropriately? Because I think it's at one point when they realize, like, oh, Kitty's not going to make it. Like, we need a backup, right? We need a backup right. plan. And I felt yeah. like that came kind of out of nowhere because I was expecting them to, before that moment, be like, I, I guess they just assumed the audience was was going to say, oh, Rose's dead, like everyone else is dead. Right. So maybe it was meant as, like, a surprise in that story. Obviously, they didn't know it was going to be called the Rogue Cut. But... <laughs> Probably if you're just watching that original cut with her stuff still in it, at that point in the movie, it's a surprise that there's one more X-Men that's still alive, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, if if it had been, like, if it hadn't been released as the road cut, yeah. um, I think you would have been like, oh, well, like, if, you, if we had watched this in the theater with that, it would have been, I think, a much cooler moment where they go and break, break yeah. her out. I think they they do such a good job of setting the stakes for this film. I know yeah. uh, compared to other X-Men movies and really just going off of like Rosie's reaction, this movie feels fucking dark and ominous and serious from the beginning. Oh yeah, it absolutely is. And it like, I didn't realize, and I went back and read the, um, the original or at least the summary of the original setup. The whole idea is that, the the sentinels are an american thing surprise surprise uh-huh. um and that the problem was is that everybody in the world basically said if those things get out of your control we're nuking you so Whoa. just keep it you keep it there cuz we don't want that and it and they did they spread and that's why everything's so like like this is after this is on top of a nuclear holocaust. Wow. That's fucking amazing. That's in the comic. Um I think it's both in the comic and um the introduction to this. Got it. Like they they didn't quite make it as pronounced in the movie as they do in the comics. Yeah. I I do feel like this in some ways this movie is such a tease. Because we get so many fucking awesome mutants in the beginning that we haven't met before. And they're all badass. And we get to see them use their powers. It's so... It's a little bit maddening how 
creatively these mutants are using their powers in this the first five to ten minutes of the movie and mm-hmm. it's like this is the fifth or sixth film like we could have why are we waiting till now just to give us this little snippet well and that's why i've i've always said that i'd like the battles in in last stand a little yeah. bit because it's yeah. the first time we start seeing that teamwork Yes, and that's what that's what the fun. I mean, like when the Avengers start working, they're working together. That's when it becomes fun. Yep. Um, and and they the, gave us that in the climax of the very first Avengers movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so it, you know, and that's the whole thing. Well, we, you know, we can't be independent people anymore. We gotta, we gotta work as a team. Mm-hmm. But with this, it's like the. I'm sorry. Anybody who grew up with comics in the '90s, like you and I did, loves Blink. Like Blink is just a, a really cool yeah. concept. Like her yeah. character is really awesome. And so to have her running around using her powers in like very creative ways yep. and, and then doing a great job of showing the Sentinels adapting because from their very first moment, that's the scary thing about Sentinels for the most part, you can use a trick once on them and that's it. And then it's not, there's so many of them and they're kind of hive mindish. Mm-hmm. So you use it on this one, and now all the others are, are immune to that. That, when they show that, it feels so demoralizing. Right. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit, they all have that power now. Right. And the fact, like, and, and it's best shown where, like, you know, Blink is just blasting everywhere and getting everything, and then they use one of her portals against her. Yep. And it's like, oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, Rosie, who's that? <laughs> when blinks through her thing <laughs> on the screen. Uh, what's cool too is that, well, I guess, you know, you have to think about this is the future and we're not watching the mutants sort of getting to know their powers. These, mm-hmm. these mutants fully understand their powers. They're very confident in how they use them. Um, it, you know, so it's cool to see Blink and Warpath and who else? I think uh, Bishop. Bishop Sunspot. Sunspot, that's right. Um, they all just, you know, look amazing. And, um, even we, we even get to see, I think in the beginning, we get to see Iceman go full Iceman, right? He goes full Iceman and he does the whole ice slides. Yes. Which, again, anybody who has ever, A, read, read a X-Men, early X-Men comic, but B, um, watched, uh, Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Friends. Like, like, I'm sorry. You have to have ice slides with Iceman. Like, yeah. it's, otherwise, it's not really Iceman. Yeah, and it's cool the way they sort of they keep the audience guessing. They don't feel the need to like, you know, spoon feed the story uh, dynamics because as soon as they all disappear, you're like, what the fuck was that? And then you know, you, you're sort of figuring it out as you go, and then catch up after the fact after something's happened. And I think all of that adds to what you're talking about. The story is just really well structured and it, it, it gives all the character moments so much more impact when it feels like it's, it's, it's done in service of a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And I just love that. And it's like, it's not even a, a given it, it's, it's already like Xavier and Magneto. We get to see them fully on the same side again, like not right, right. not temporarily, not for convenience for you know this particular plot. They're just like, okay, we started out together. We had our schism. We went through that. We realized that you know the 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 the, the folly of that, and now we are back together in in you know on the side of mutants. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, and it's it's an actually good use of um, Jennifer Lawrence's mystique. Like, she actually has a reason to be there in this one. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like all the other movies, including First Class, she really doesn't. There's no purpose to her. Well, let's let's talk about um, before we get into mystique because I have some thoughts about that too. <laughs> um, I love also seeing when the when the ex jet shows up, seeing who's who's still around, mm-hmm. and it's like we get that great shot of them walking down, or in you know uh, Xavier's case, floating down the steps. And you see, oh shit! Okay, oh Storm is there, and of course Wolverine, the survivor, mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is gonna walk, walk down, walk off the jet. Um, that's a great moment, and they feel like they've been through some shit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and that's really cool. That whole like it's a heist kind of, you know? <laughs> yeah, it really is. It has, and it, they have. This is <laughs> this is why Dark Phoenix doesn't work. Is because <laughs> these characters have had the time for us to care about them yep. in three previous movies, five if you talk about about um Wolverine. So it's it's there's more gravitas about their entrance. You care yes. about them. Like you know that it is bad when Storm dies. Yes. Oh like, my god. Like, and they make a big deal of it too. Like, oh. like you you know you are at the end when Storm dies and you feel it. You like yes. like oh, that's you're, heartbreaking. You're, you know you know that the people in the past are going to win because it's that kind of movie. Yeah. yeah. But that's the, the 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 significance of her being kind of she's Again, no lines. <laughs> Halle Berry has no lines in any of these movies. <laughs> but but at least they give the character that role of the heart and soul, and you know when she goes down, that's it. The rest of the team's done. I have to say, an added layer of enjoyment for this film for me and for watching these X-Men movies, and believe it or not, I think for Rosie as well, even though this is her first time watching these these movies and getting introduced to these characters is this giddy anticipation of like, what's Marvel going to do with these characters? Right. <laughs> like that's part of it somehow. That's part of the enjoyment already is, Oh my God, the MCU is going to go off on their storm character. It's going to be so amazing. It's going to be so glorious. I just, I just, I've have, I have to keep my, my expectations low, Ray. That's how I survive these things. <laughs> Yeah, I'm it's on the other end of that. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be they're, they're gonna do a, an okay job. It's gonna be fine. What do you think of the story mechanics where they explain like you know the time travel element sort of and or, or the or the conscious you know the conscious based time travel and and why they have to do it and all that. Well, I think I think for as complicated of a topic as it is, they do a very nice job of keeping it concise, and mm-hmm. I love the fact that they kind of show you how it works first without explaining it, then they explain what just happened, and then they explain how this is going to work moving forward. Yeah, and they explain why it has to be Wolverine and not Kitty. Right. Because of his healing factor, right? Yeah, because of his, like, because she basically says that it'll tear, well, because the original idea was going to be Xavier. And and then she realizes that, you know, no, it'll tear your brain apart, basically, and and Wolverine's like, well, what if your brain can kind of just keep healing itself as it goes? Mm-hmm. And that's why they decide it's going to be him. So, right, right. 
um, who in the comics it was Kitty, right? Yeah, in, in the comics it was Kitty. And do they ex- uh, how? What is the method of time travel? I don't remember if it was a Forge thing or if it was a um, Rachel Summers thing. Oh, okay. I huh. want it. Or was it? I don't even know that Rachel Summers was in that time. I don't know that that's her timeline. Okay. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm looking um, it up right now, actually. It says that the plot alternates between the present year of 1980. Oh, my God. This was published in 1980. That's crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and the future year. Can you, you want to guess the future year, Joe? <laughs> 2022. 2013. Oh, wow. We're old, man. We're, re- we're really old. <laughs> Um, and so it, no, it only says that Kitty Pride's mind goes backwards through time. Uh, it says on the eve of a feared nuclear Holocaust, the few remaining X-Men send Kitty Pride's mind backward through time. So the, at least the Wikipedia page doesn't explain how I'm sure, uh, I'm sure if I jumped into one of the geeky X-Men wikis <laughs> online, they'll, They'll fully explain it, but it may be, it may have been just Xavier doing it. Yeah. Cause I think Xavier's still there during this. Yeah. Um, I do like that we get like a very committed 1970s feel. They probably look at the 1960s feel of, of first class and went, Oh shit, that works. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like that. And Wolverine, I mean, Hugh Jackman, this was the, was it this one or in the Wolverine? I, I think it was in this one that the first time that I really was like, how long is this guy going to keep being able to stay in this shape? Cause God damn. Right. Right. Yeah. No, like this was, I think this was his most jacked. Like, I think this is the one where he was just like the biggest. I mean, he was close in the Wolverine, but I think for this one, he was, he was just huge. Yeah. You look at the future timeline for this character where he ends up in the first X-Men movie and you're like, wow, he really, uh, he really went to shit, huh? He really, <laughs> he really got lazy and just stopped caring about his body. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the way he plays the character in this movie. And I want to say, even though, of course, they're going to find a way to make Wolverine the, the main protagonist, he sort of isn't. He, he By the end of the, by the climax of this movie, he's sort of taken out of the whole thing. Yeah. Right, he see he seems to do the least in this movie. I feel like he he's there to he's there to be the bridge between the two, and it still stays about the original characters and then the the new first class characters. Right. So the thing is that um, Trask, uh, which oh, I love I love Peter Dinklage's Trask so much more than. The Trask, I can't remember the actor's name, but the Trask that we got in the, the original trilogy. Uh, it was I don't the, remember him yeah, very well. No, it was the guy who um, came out in, um, he's in Predator. I love that movie. You remember oh, that? yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, I can't remember his name. Um, the Last Stand. Trask in X-Men The Last Stand is played by... Here he is. I'm looking at his picture right now. What's his name? But Peter, D- oh Bill Duke, Bill Duke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Peter Dinklage is is much more comic book accurate, right? Um, characterization wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Trask in the original is like a military guy. 
Mm-hmm. And Boulevard Trask, I guess. I mean, he he seems more like a uh, a legit X Men villain, not like in, in the comics, not like a uh, you know just a function of like uh, someone's cabinet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that right? 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 right. <laughs> um. Oh, this is great. Someone asked, how is Trask a bald black man in X-Men The Last Stand, but uh but not but a, a small white man in X-Men Days of Future Past? Because uh casting, dude, online person. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like you're really trying to fix that, like <laughs> trying to make that make sense in the timeline? No, don't <laughs> don't even do that. Um but yeah, I just I he feels more like a real villain. Like he feels like somebody who has his own agenda right. and you know what I mean? And yeah, no, he's, he wants to make this happen however he can make it happen. Um and uh I guess and I, went, oh, go ahead. I went back and I went back and read the the original X-Men with the Sentinels episodes mm-hmm. or issues and it was like a 3 issue arc which back then was huge um and and it was it was really good like they they kidnap (laughs) they're really clunky robots back then and they kidnap him because he's the creator and they can't make more of themselves without him but he's like oh my god what have i done um and he loses complete control over them and they uh yeah yeah i guess i feel like um I don't like it when they just include substantial X-Men comic book characters just to be like, huh? Look, it's that <laughs> character. Like, You see? You see? <laughs> exactly. That drives me nuts, man. It's like, no, these characters are super important to the stories. So don't just throw – they're not they're not throwaway characters. Very few characters in X-Men comics are throwaway characters, you know? Right, right. Especially because Claremont was so good at like planting seeds, and it's like they may have seemed like a Chloe character at first, but you know, a year or two down the line, they get a substantial storyline. Right. I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> how many people know who Rusty Collins is? But <laughs> the whole point of Rusty Collins was to have a a mutant that had to go to jail for using his powers legitimately, like. Like he actually let himself go to jail because he realized that he did something bad with his powers and he needed to, you know, he needed to do his time. Right. And it was a whole story arc, but nobody knows who the character was because it was, it right. was not a throwaway character. It just was never followed up on because right. then Claremont got pulled. Um. So the point of Wolverine's consciousness sending sent, being sent back to his 1970s body is because Trask gets his hands on Mystique, and that's how he's able to build the the Nimrod style Sentinels, right? That are that right. are fucking shit up in the future. And they and even the, kind of show her their powers working like her powers do, which is kind of kind of nice. yeah, yeah. And so, um, but I like the little twist where it's like, okay, uh, you know, originally Mystique kills Trask, but then you know the government gets their hands on her. And that's how they're able to use her DNA and stuff. Even though Trask mm-hmm. is gone, they still see the need for the Sentinels being built. Right. And this, in this time around, yes, thanks to Wolverine being there, I guess they do stop because he's the one who brings, you know, Xavier to her. Yes, they stop her from killing Trask, but nonetheless, the government still gets her blood. 
<laughs> yeah. Be- because of fucking Magneto. Right. Still gets her blood and still sees the, the need for making Sentinels. So it isn't until the very, very end. What is it at the very end that they, that, that changes the timeline? I think it's that she, she makes a choice at the very end to not kill. Right. She makes a choice to not kill. And then she, she impersonates like she impersonates Nixon and Nixon sees that like, these mutants were actually protecting him, not just a not just, it wasn't just one way or the other. Right. It's the way I got it is like, they, they could see that there were two sides to the story. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess Mystique still ends up playing a pretty substantial role in this film, but it doesn't bug me as much as it does in other movies that try to make her like, you know, the main character. Or one of the main characters. Well, and it, and it's also comic book accurate because in the comic books, the whole problem is is Mystique does kill Trask. Like that's that's the reason why the the Days of Future Past thing happens. Like again, we one of my biggest problems with the X Men franchise is they kind of it, what Marvel does is they take a story and they go, how do we make this make sense in a more concise manner? We're still going to try and and hit all the same notes and all the same moments, but how do we do it in a concise way that can link up to everything else we're doing? Where in X-Men, they're like, well, here's the broad story idea, but I like these characters instead of those characters, and I think this would be cooler than that. And so then by the time that they're done, it's this jigsaw of stuff that sort of kind of makes sense, but could have probably have been better if they just stuck to the core material. Yeah, yeah. There's somebody who points out (laughs) <laughs> what review was I watching where, oh, I think it was Nan- Nando's doing this really cool series right now on his um, uh, YouTube channel where he's casting the, the X-Men movies. Yeah, I saw the first one. I haven't seen the one on the villains yet. Yeah, the one on the villains is pretty great. And he's still doing one more as well. And he's going to cast the, uh, the the giant size X-Men team. Mm-hmm. Um but he cast Mystique and he points out the tendency of these Fox X-Men films to like end on some kind of dumb, uh, uh, like post credits cliffhangers and then not follow up on them. Mm-hmm. And I, like at the very end with Mystique, it's like, she's impersonating striker and she fishes, fishes, you know, uh, Wolverine out of, uh, the water. And then you see that it's her as striker. And then it's like, what's the point of, like, okay, she gets him out of the ocean, but then the next time we see, you know, what Wolverine does end up with Stryker. And so why would she want to give Wolverine to the government? Like, it just doesn't. That makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And the harder you, the longer you think about it, you're like, wait, what? Um, but it's just those cool little, like, or quote unquote cool little, like, winky things at the end where you're like, oh, oh my God, that's Mystique. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't whatsoever. make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this was a nice um, way to sort of say goodbye to the original cast, right? What do you think about right. that? Yeah, I liked it. And I mean, as we know, we're we're not really saying goodbye to the original cast because we got Patrick Stewart coming back in the Marvel movies. Oh, I keep forgetting that. <laughs> yeah, so that's exciting, but. Um, but yeah, I think I think the way it was intended was really a strong choice because they knew that they were going to replace all the original um, 
actors with new younger versions and they kind of paid homage to what came before because at first I thought this was going to be a reboot and mm. you know, with the, uh, um, with first class and then you see mystique's still got the same character design and you're like, Oh no, this is not a reboot. This is a prequel. Yeah. And, uh, and so, Oh yeah. And so there, the fact, Oh, go ahead. I just didn't think about it that way. You're right. I mean, I guess I did kind of think of X-Men first class as a, as a reboot because, I mean, obviously they're going back in time, but also I figured we we're going to see new, more comic book accurate versions of the X-Men characters, which I guess we kind of eventually did get. But you're right, including making the choice to include Mystique and to include like such a similar portrayal, it does kind of classify it more as a prequel than, than a reboot. Oh yeah, no, it absolutely is a prequel because, and and you know that immediately as soon as you see the the character design, you're like, oh, we're still sticking with the same mystique. Like it's not, it's not a new character. Yeah. That's fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Broke my brain a little bit there. Totally. Sorry. (laughs) Recategorize that whole movie now. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense for sure. Um, There was something that I wanted to bring up and now I can't find my notes. I'm looking at some of, uh, some of Lyle's comments, which I think are are pretty spot on. Um, I never thought about how the Sentinels design looks like a riff on the destroyer design for the Thor franchise. It's like, Oh yeah. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Lyle says here, I'm really not a fan of how they soften Eric. Um, I feel like that's just maybe a case of, of, his interaction, his continued interaction with the X-Men characters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's well, not only that, but I mean, like, I think he sees the thing with the, the, the thing I see with, with Magneto Magneto's problem is not necessarily that he's wrong. It's that everything has an immediate <laughs> to it. Yep. Like even if you, in the first movie, Oh, we're just going to turn everybody into mutants. But he's not looking at the long-term consequences of that, even to the point that he doesn't even know how well it works, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the next movie, I'm trying to remember, Oh, it's like, I'm going to, um, or he really wasn't the, was it the problem in the second one? Was he? I mean, kind of, <laughs> um, I don't know. So I, all I can remember is Trask in that one. So I'm, I'm not Trask. Um, Striker. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about X2, that uh-huh. is that is where we get, and Nando points this out as well. Magneto doesn't really spend a ton of time just being the villain. Like he's right. always he's always finding a, a reason to team up with the X-Men. You know, I think mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. in the first movie, he's the villain. But then after that, in X2, it's, it's you know, X-Men United. And then even in X3, like, yes, for a long time, he's at odds. But then at the very end, he's like, what have I done? Like, I should have, you know, like, I should have I been on their side all along. Right. Again, it's always that realization that he didn't think this through. It's just he yeah. just acts. Like, and then you see that in this one when, when he decides, oh, the only way to do this, like, I can't have Mystique fall into their hands, so I'll just kill her. Like there's no, there's no foresight. And so you would hope that after spending all this time dealing with the ramifications of this, that he would have enough 
self-reflection to go, okay, maybe I need to stop and think about this for a second. <laughs> I, I don't, I didn't remember that. And when it happened, when he kind of decides in that moment to just off mystique, I was like, wow, okay. I don't know. I don't know if this dude's gotten soft. He's that's pretty fucking ruthless in that moment to just say, Oh, she's got to die. It's, I hate to do this, but also, you know, it's, it's needs to be done. So I'm just going to step up and, and do it. Which, um, which he is it to me, it reminded me of his choice to leave her behind in X3 when she seemingly gets cured. And he's just like in an instant, he's like, he's like, you've been my most important like partner in general through so far. But in that moment, he just makes a snap decision. It's just like, Oh, you're, de- you're dead to me now. Right. And then it turns out to not pay off well at all. <laughs> um, no, one thing that, one thing that Lyle said that makes me very angry and upset. And now I'm, I'm, I'm I'm having I'm having struggles. Um, is wait Logan in bed with someone and she isn't a redhead? Yeah, I saw. She that. isn't a redhead and she isn't Asian. So th- that was miscast. <laughs> it should have been one or the other because that's yeah. that is definite. Those are definitely his types. Yeah, yeah. That's I think I think having the boss's daughter <laughs> be a redhead would be. Yeah, it would be great set like a wink kind of you know setup for what we know is is somebody suggested that in the pitch meeting and was like, no, it'll confuse people. They'll think it's Jean Grey because they have no trust. Oh, that's what it was. I guarantee you, that's what it was. I mean, make their hair curly then too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I see that he's pointed out some timeline issues here. Well, I get that. I shouldn't think too hard on this. This isn't. Isn't this about the time James and Victor are teaming up with Stryker? You know, I was thinking the same thing. I was sitting there, and and I know these movies are, you know, because we ha- we're looking at different timelines and different things now, and especially, we, I think at this point, we had already kind of all collectively agreed to ignore X-Men Origins Wolverine. But still, I was a little bit distracted in my brain watching this going, oh, wait, at what point would he be with Team X? And, like, at what point would he be in a war or, you know? Um, right, right, right. I don't know. Did you did you have any of that going on? I didn't because I kind of figured as soon as you get timey-wimey about things, it's, <laughs> you know, you're going to explain it away somehow. You're going to get, get yourself a no prize, and it's going to be fine. Okay, but you invite the timey-wimey stuff by doing time travel, so at least give us a little... <laughs> a little something, a little throwaway, you know, dialogue. Something. And and I do, I do think you're right about the fact that they just were like, what origin story? We didn't <laughs> we didn't do an origin. Like I I would. Do you know what they're talking about? I don't know what they're talking about. Can you explain further? Because no, these words that are coming out of your mouth make no sense to us. Sorry. They they really do a wink and nod to Magneto being Quicksilver's father, though. Oh, heavy. And then I, I didn't realize there are actually two girls in that house. Right. But that's that's added with the road cut. Oh, that's added to the road cut? That's not yes. in the original? No. Oh, because the girl in his lap is not Wanda. It's right. Lorna. Right. And so Wanda's the one upstairs in her room. Yeah. yeah Being all emo, she- which totally, totally tracks. Right. Go bug your sister. She bugs me. <laughs> yeah that i looked it up and so the road cut does have several other just tiny changes and that's one of them what what are some of the other ones because i i did not do my homework past reading the watching the movies this time oh god well so the thing is too um 
I haven't seen this movie enough to like know it like the back of my hand so that I would know that all these things are, are different in the road cut. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I'm sitting there watching the whole movie going, Oh, that dialogue. Right. Yeah. No, different. I didn't do that either. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's why I ask. Yeah. But then at the end when rogue is, you know, bro- broken out of wherever she's being held, it's like, Oh, Oh, in Cerebro, which is, cool but also like what it's the one place that that my, that xavier can't find her is that what it was yeah because it's shielded from his psychic prying but okay. i okay so this is one thing that did bother me and i'm assuming it's because they couldn't go back and do reshoots um that is a very um interesting lab situation she's fully <laughs> clothed there's no um the the monitoring systems are very minimal. It's just basically she's be laying down on a on a slab with with a bunch of people around her. Like waiting to I don't be exactly rescued. Yeah, waiting to be rescued. I don't know that she's actually being operated on in any way, shape, or form. Why were they operating on her? Were they trying to steal her power for Sentinels or some shit? Yeah, because they figured that if they could give the Sentinels her power, then she could like basically just absorb all the other mutants powers. And that's how they could like, it would make them the ultimate hunting uh, mutant hunting machines. I wonder if they say how long they've, they've held her and how long they've been trying to do that. If this is like, you know, months of torture or did they just happen to break in right when they started the procedure? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's see, there's an X-Men Memorial that the road cut adds uh, I guess on one of the walls in the background, you see pictures of dead X-Men on the wall. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, so the camera only shows the wall for a few seconds. Um, and then uh, the the whole debate they have about saving the world where Xavier and Magneto show up and explain to this group of X-Men we've been following so far early in the film. And they're saying, look, this is what we're, you know, this is what we have to do. It's all in, basically. You know, we're all going to mm-hmm. sacrifice ourselves because we don't know who's going to survive and who's who's going to be blinked out of existence by changing the past. Um, and so the fact that they have a conversation about it and um, everything is is added by the, with the road cut. Gotcha. It, it says... Um, Shortly after the discussion ends, Iceman and Kitty Pride have a side conversation about the risk she is taking to send Wolverine back to the future. Iceman knows this will test the limits of Kitty's powers, but she assures him she can handle it. And they end the conversation with a kiss. That's a nice added wrinkle to them bringing Rogue back, to, Rogue back is that Kitty knows that that's Bobby's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> right, yeah. There's some There's some ex-stress there. Yeah. I, yeah. I also find it kind of humorous just because, you know, the meta the meta of it all is we find out that Iceman is um uh is gay and that <laughs> which which is <laughs> in in Last Stand, I think is is where I really felt that where she was he's like, I didn't want you to do this. <laughs> and she was like, I wanted to. It wasn't it wasn't your choice. And I'm like <laughs> He's gay. <laughs> Do it for like, he's not gonna like you that way. But then on top of that, uh um what's Paige's first name now? Elliot? Elliot oh, Page yeah, yeah. is trans. So it's yeah. like <laughs> this the relationship wouldn't have worked out to begin with. <laughs> There's nothing about this that was gonna happen. Yeah, I told I, I mentioned that to Rosie. I'm like in the comics. Iceman ends up being gay and she's like, what? Like, <laughs> no way. Uh, mind blown emoji. Um, 
in uh, so in the road cut, Wolverine's arrival back in 1973 happens a little bit differently, where the fight with those henchmen or whatever lasts a little bit longer. Some of the shots are different, and they include in the road cut the kind of dismissive interaction he has with the woman that he was in bed with and kind of like, Hey, get out of the car here. Leave like beat it. Scram, <laughs> scram kid, beat it. You know, like that, uh-huh. that thing, I guess in the original theatrical code, they don't even, they don't even include that at all. Uh, she's just gone. Um, right. young professor X questions Wolverine's plan. So it just sounds like a lot of these changes are like extra added dialogue of like the characters, maybe fighting back at first and then having longer conversations about what's, you know, what they need to do. So they just filled them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean, that to me, that's good character stuff. I don't know. Uh, um, there's, a, there's an extra comedic beat about how there isn't any internet in 1973. <laughs> <laughs> nope, they're not. And and we got a ways to go because you're gonna have dial up before then. Oh God. Uh, oh, here it is. Wolverine meets Quicksilver's sister. Um, so. Uh, she tells Logan that she's a princess, the little girl. You said that was who? That was Lorna? That's Lorna. Yeah, it's not It's not Wanda. Wanda's the one upstairs um, being all antisocial. Right, right. The reference to another sister at the end of the scene makes it unclear if this is Wanda they're talking about, which it probably is. Uh, I guess pr- uh, Nixon doesn't have an F-bomb in the original theatrical cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking funny. Um, Although from everything I know about the guy, he that that yeah, like he would be dropping f bombs all over the place. Other bombs too. The racist piece of shit. <laughs> uh, um, and then of course the whole rogue stuff, which is awesome. Again, I it gives me the comic book feels. You know, right, right, yeah, yes, like, yes. and and then also if you go into we grew up with Age of the Apocalypse, so having it be. Magneto that goes gets her adds a little bit of that layer of interesting. Wait, say that again? Because because you remember in Age of Apocalypse, like Rogue is totally married to Magneto. Oh, that's right, that's right. And and he's the only one that can actually have her. Um, like he can kind of touch her without his powers because he's not actually touching her. And um, what? Oh yeah, they have a kid. Yeah, but I don't remember. Why is he able to touch her? Because he basically uses his magnetism to to put a very low. Because because as we know in comic books, magnetism can do everything. Oh, got it. And so um, he, he it's basically just enough of a force field around him that she doesn't actually make physical contact, but she can feel it because she's feeling the the force field. I do not remember that from Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. I want yeah, so the fact that so the fact that we get Bobby and him rescuing her in an alternative timeline, it, mm-hmm. like like there's there's some there's some comic book feels there. That's cool. That's so cool. I'm here for all the comic book feels. Um, oh, I love that beat of uh, Hank asking Wolverine, "Hey, so in the future, <laughs> <laughs> do I make it, Wolverine?" No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 okay. And then that's it. <laughs> so that's only in the road cut. That's not in the theatrical cut. <laughs> that's excellent. Um, um, and then, of course, this movie gave us that the Qu- Quicksilver scene 
is just like I could watch that over and over again. It's so well done. It's not even it doesn't have the same impact in the next film, right? No, they should never try that again. Like yeah. their, whole, their whole thought was, oh, we're gonna try and recreate this in every film that he's in. And it's the the novelty of it in that first one makes it amazing. Yeah. And it's just so well done. When you do it in the next one, it, it's lost its novelty. It's lost its its specialness. So I read a bit about this and their their mindset will, I think, communicate something, Joe. Their their whole take was well, we know people are expecting another cool Quicksilver bit, so we're working really hard to top the first one. And it's like, no. You failed. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> no, you don't need to do that. Like, I don't think everyone's expecting, like, what's going to be the cool Quicksilver scene in this movie? Like, no, it could have just been that. And you could have used Quicksilver as, a you know, an actual, you know, ca- d- dimensional character. Or not. But... It's like, where is this expectation coming from? Well, we had that we had that moment where we've had like it's so cool. He's you know this is what he sees. Mm. But do you know how many humorous moments there are in the comics where it's just like people are one moment they're holding guns, the next minute they're not, and they're like, what in the hell? Like you don't you don't need the slowdown to still make his powers epic. Oh, that's a great point. Wouldn't it have been cool to show it from the other point of view? Yeah, like like to just to just have like I mean they did it a little bit with Quicksilver in Age of Apocalypse where yeah. you know he he comes in and does something and gets gets out or like you know one minute you're standing there with guns one minute you're not like yeah. there's a lot of fun things you can play with do fun things with his powers don't redo the really cool thing you already did. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know how you feel about this but I I much prefer the version of Quicksilver we got in the MCU. Oh, I love I love that version of Quicksilver. I mean okay. he's got a little bit like I I think I think the real Quicksilver is somewhere in between the two. Um yeah, because I agree with the that. MCU one's more arrogant, but the other one's a little bit more ADHD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've they've actually have comics about why he's such an asshole. I mean, cuz he's right up there with like Namor as far mm-hmm. as his asshole levels. And mm-hmm. it's because he just has no patience. Like if you're yeah. experiencing time at that slowed down of a rate and like somebody's trying to talk to you and stumbling over your words, you're going to be over it. Yeah. Yeah. They hint at that a bit in the, in the basement when they're first meeting him in this movie. Right. Um, I, I just, I, the visual they went with for this movie, I really bounce off of that. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, that's a that. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it's a little bit like. Have you have you gone back and read New Mutants? I don't remember if you said no you had or not. No. Okay, so so you don't know. There's a there's a an episode where they go and they get their graduation costumes out of the attic because you know when they're in school they have their their uniforms, mm-hmm. but then they have they have their graduation costumes already ready for them up in the attic. So they go up and they steal their graduation outfits. They are awful. They're awful, Ray. They're just awful. (laughs) And I feel like that's what they (laughs) did with this. Like this is a combination of what you get from cannonball and a couple of other, like, I think maybe there's some sunspot thrown in there. Like there it's, it is, it looks like a graduation outfit from new mutants oh yeah 
I, I just, that really halts a lot of my appreciation of, of the character in the Fox X-Men movies. His look, it doesn't even look like anyone else in the fucking movies. Like, no, no, he's making completely different choices. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't get the, the fucking meeting that resulted in that. Um, so there's a few other small changes, um, in the road cut, um, Mystique visits Beast at the X-Mansion. That's not in the theatrical version. In the theatrical version, uh, Professor X is able to learn that she's going to Washington, D.C., but he he doesn't know, like, wh- where she's going exactly. And, and so, and so um, this time, we need that extra bit of her and Hank, which is cool because we get that character interaction, which harkens back to, you know, their connection in... in um, uh, first class, uh, and then she seduces him, and dumb Hank, you know, just doesn't. He's, he's just like always getting in his own way. Um, I, I love that moment where they sort of like accept their powers. Mm-hmm. You know, like she she's looking blonde, and then she's like, "I'm just gonna be blue. Am I still beautiful?" And because he has that really harsh comment about her in first class. And then he gets excited and he um, turns into beast and it's like, cool. Like two mutants being mutants, like being their, you know, non-human selves and um, like fully committing to this, you know, obviously it looks like they're going to have sex and they're mutants. And it's like, oh yeah, they're not trying to hide the fact that they're not human. Um, But then, you know, I can't remember what it is that Hank, like, he's just like, I can't do this. Um, and I think he f- he finds out that she where she's going and what her plans are, and he's and she doesn't want him to tell Professor X, but obviously he does. Um, I just I love those. The, I for to me like that's what makes the comic so special. Those moments like that. So it's really cool to actually have a version of this movie where we get to we get all these cool little um, like calling callbacks, I guess, to like previous character interactions that may not be like the the main point of the plot, but it's okay. They still matter. Like they still give everything else meaning. Well, that's why, that's why the Marvel movies work so well is because they're they're the, there's a plot and there's characters within the plot and they do, they use both. They don't just use the characters to fulfill the plot. They don't, it's not just like all character driven stuff with no plot. It's, it's we've got things we've got to do, but we're also people. And so we have to have those moments where we're thinking about what we're doing, that there's repercussions. It's not so black and white like it is in the X-Men movies. I feel like yeah. the X-Men movies are very black and white. Like you've got Magneto's wrong. Xavier's right. And that's, that's as deep as it tends to go. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I feel like, I feel like this movie didn't let that happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, sorry, I don't know if you can hear. There's a lot of loud music right outside my window. <laughs> no, not, it's, well, it's not coming through. I don't know if it'll come in through the final thing, but if, okay. if you hear if you hear music, folks, that's what it is. Yes, uh, my neighborhood's a constant party. It's great. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to go over in this movie? I mean, there's tons of stuff that we could, you know, sort of get into because so much happens in this movie. It's I, like how do they do how do they like this this almost has a little bit of civil war in it where you step back and you're like how did they put that much into one movie? Yeah, I agree. I do really like that they you know, 
uh, as far as we knew, they send off the the original cast with the cool like reset of the ending where Scott's back, Jean's back, they're at the school, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels it feels right, and the, and the fact that that uh, Xavier was waiting for that moment where Wolverine has like recatches up with time. Oh, that's right. That's and he's right. like, "Oh, welcome back, old friend." Yeah. Like it, it's this moment because now he knows everything. He knows all three timelines. That's right. And and then we get and then we get Logan spoilers. Yes, so good, <laughs> so good, so good, so good. Like, because oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get. To, I'll save it for when we talk about Logan. <laughs> Um, I sent you. I sent you the the graduation costumes. <laughs> I saw that. Sure. It's so horrible. It's so horrible. I'll I'll have to throw that in, guys, because it's it's bad. Even with what looks like is it Art Adams um, artwork? It looks like it's I Art Adams. So. Yeah, I think so. It's just they're not well designed. Anything like oh, there's nothing about them that are well designed. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, cool. Do you want to dive into Deadpool? Yeah, yeah, let's, um, I mean, well, why don't you go ahead and let me know what, like, we, we've already talked about things that, that kind of you bounced off of the second time around. Was there anything that held up for you? Um, I love the way they treated his, like, his costume and everyone's look in the movie. It, it's weird because it's so comic accurate, but it feels understated still. Mm-hmm. Like they're not running away from what the comics look like, but no. they also don't, they feel lived in, they feel real and tangible. It doesn't like, and I'm talking about Colossus as well. I love the X-Men universe of Negasonic. Uh, what is it? Negasonic teenage warhead teenage warhead. I love the look of her X-Men uniform. And I love that they just went with the like straightforward student at Xavier. Like this is the, this is the X-Men uniform. It is literally as as comic accurate as I think you could possibly make that uniform, and it doesn't look bad. It's one of those things where you can point to it and go, see, it works. Why aren't you doing this? <laughs> yeah, like, To me, it's the best version of that costume that we got, in, you know, because we saw it in X-Men First Class. I think we see it in, like, X-Men Apocalypse or one of those or, or uh, the, the next um, Dark Phoenix. But um, this, to me, this is the best version of that. So this movie looks like a comic book movie to me, full on. I really love the look of it. Yeah. Um, all the no, fight I, scenes. I, I definitely like that. Oh, go ahead. The the fight scenes and the action set pieces work for me. Um, as I said before, I love that it really expands the notion. As the first, this is the first rated R, right? Comic book movie? Mm-hmm. First rated or, R or movie. Marvel movie, maybe, but not. I don't know. There might have. I'm thinking like all those takes that we got for a while, like Super Hancock, like all these like different superpower, like superhero movies that are not necessarily like a Marvel or a DC comic, right? Right. Like there's some there's some rated R stuff also, but I'm talking about like based on the Marvel or DC comics. If this is, I think, the first take on a, on an R rated one, um, which then it, it, then suddenly everything was like, oh, is that going to be R-rated? Is this going to be R-rated? Like, what else are we getting that could be R-rated? As if that's what made it good, but, you know. Yeah, well, and that's it's so short-sighted. And I feel, like, I feel like that is, that's the studios. That's not the fans. Yeah. Like, nobody, yeah. nobody, like, we just want a good movie. I wish, it's the same thing with, 
with toys. It's like, <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think guys are gonna boys are gonna want to play with like girl girl characters. Yes, we are. We want all the X Men. We don't just want the ones that you think are. We don't just want the boys. Like, what are you doing? That's that's a you thing. That's not a fan thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, even your even your your basement dwellers want all of the characters. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we want thoughtful depictions of the characters, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. I, you know, I. It seems like a small thing, maybe, but I kind of like the explanation of his name in this movie. Yeah, I, I like that too. Do you remember the explanation they give in X Men Origins Wolverine? No, I don't. What was it? I I, I, so, I watched that while I was doing other shits. I'm sorry. So Striker, <laughs> no problem with that. It's totally understandable. <laughs> so in X Men Origins Wolverine, Striker is collecting mutant powers from people, mm-hmm. and uh, the the last. So he basically collects the mutant powers of the 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 mercenaries team X, which we see at the beginning of, of that movie mm-hmm. and Wolverine's healing factor is the last thing he needs to collect for this mutant that he's creating. Right. And he's like, he says yours was the last mutant power that I needed for the, for the mute, for the pool, oh, for, for the oh. pool of, for the pool of mutant powers that I'm, <laughs> that I'm adding to, to create this new mutant. So he literally says that. So that's how Deadpool gets his name. And have you ever have you ever participated in a Deadpool? No, what the fuck is that? They're called they're called ghoul pools. <laughs> what? I, I did it a couple times in the, the the aughts. Um it's where you get together like just before New Year's with your friends and you predict who is not going to make it, like who who what celebrities are not going to make it to the end of the year. That's a real thing. That that is a way that's called a ghoul pool, um, but it's basically the same thing. I've heard it referred to as a Deadpool. Holy shit! And I shit. have a feeling that might be a little bit of where that name came from because it, it it is like yeah, like you go and you say well like and you get you get points based on their age minus a hundred or a hundred minus their age. So somebody who's <laughs> so somebody who's really old is worth less points than somebody who is um, younger. And so the whole point is, is that you're going to try and put whatever your your collection of I think it's something like ten names, whatever you're, you want to you want a mix of both. I had no idea that was a real thing. It it was a thing. It was totally a thing. Oh my god! I think, I think we did it twice. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get any points either year. <laughs> that is so dark. I love it. It is. So I just honestly, I I just thought. You know, Rob Liefeld's tendency to just take two words that he thinks are cool and put them together. <laughs> well, I think it's so successful because there's no X in the name and there's no Y replacing an I in the name. So that's the only reason why it's made it this far. <laughs> like Wild Child? Like Wild Child. <laughs> oh, my God. Like Youngblood? <laughs> uh, I, just, I, I honestly just thought dead, death you know, die. Like those are words, you know, mm-hmm. blood. Those are all words that he just mixes and matches together to come up with names. So I just thought Deadpool, I didn't know that that was an actual term. Well, then that makes me even more like a fan of how they explain the name in this movie. 
And yeah. why the fuck did they even try a different way to explain it in X-Men Origins? Got another thing that's shitty about that movie. Jesus. Because remember, the whole po- the whole thing that's wrong with Origins is, no, 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 we can, we can make up our own story and mess with a bunch of characters in ways that were never intended. Mm, yeah, for sure. I didn't realize, going back to Deadpool, that Negasonic Teenage Warhead was a character from the comics mm. cre- created by Grant Morrison. I had no idea. I thought she was created just for the movie. Uh, no, yeah, no, they actually pulled, I mean, even, even angel is a character from the, the movie, the, the woman with the, that kicks the crap out of Colossus. Holy shit. Oh, she's from the comics as well. Yeah. She's a, a Morlock from Chicago. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so what does Ajax look like in the comics? <laughs> Cause I'm sure he's not just like, cool like no British he's dude. not nearly as cool and and attractive as this guy is okay <laughs> uh let's see he in the com i'm looking at the comics versions of him oh his name is francis fanny <laughs> yeah yeah it's bad it's bad oh it's really bad he wears a suit with a gigantic a on it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great okay oh so they changed his last name in the in the comics to um francis freeman uh in the movie and he's played by ed's ed screen what else has ed screen been in he looks so familiar he's one of those actors that are like oh it's that guy but right right oh he's in game of thrones okay he was in the first oh he's one of the game, game of, of thrones, thrones people's okay well I, yeah. I have to go back and watch that i still have i've got through we got through i think <laughs> season four Okay, well, he's in season one, but then he plays the character Dario, which um, they changed the actor going forward after season one. He's no longer cast as that character. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a hunky guy. Jesus. Yeah, no, he's a good looking man. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was cool, though, and I'm assuming this is from the comics that, you know, he can't feel pain, right? So, right. You can get his ass kicked. But the thing is, though, he doesn't have a healing factor. He specifically says in the movie that he doesn't heal like Deadpool. They're stitching him up at one point. But it's like, okay, dude, you just got impaled by a sword, though. So even though you don't feel the pain, like your organs are fucked up at this point. How are you able to still walk away? It's not just the pain that, you know, that fuck that, that like, that's not the only effect of us getting hurt. Like our bodies have to have to heal. So that kind of threw me a bit. Well, I think the idea is, is that because I've seen this with other characters that because they don't feel pain, um, what would normally take you or I to recover from, you're not bothered by it so much because it's the pain that that makes it so hard for the body to just do its thing without you struggling. Okay. Like if you're just walking, like he doesn't get hit in the, like he doesn't get he gets hit in the shoulder, which no, it's not great, but okay. um, it looks like it was mostly muscle from from where he was hit. Okay, but no, no bones cracked, no, or I guess nah, he, he was lucky. <laughs> no, no internal bleeding, no fucking. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Three Kings, with George Clooney? Yes, Mark Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in that movie where um, they show you internally, like what happens to the organs when you get shot. And how fucking bad it is for your body and how like stuff leaks inside you and can like collapse your lung and fuck up and like infections grow. Like 
that I always think about that scene whenever <laughs> somebody gets, you know, some kind of injury like that in a movie and someone gets stabbed or whatever. Like I think about that scene. Cause I'm like, Oh, all kinds of bad shit is happening right now. Right. Exactly. And there's a tendency in action movies where someone gets shot and no, it's just a flesh wound and they just keep going like nothing happened. And that's not, that's not realistic. Well, now we all explain it. It was like, Oh good. The bullet, the bullet exited. <laughs> like that is, that is what determines whether, whether it's good or not. I mean, yes, it's bad if it's still in there, yes. but there's still issues. If you've had a bullet in your body, why don't we spend a little bit of time talking about your love for this version of Colossus, Joe? Oh my God. I like, I was so happy. And like, there was no reason for it to be, Colossus. Like I think they picked a good character, but they could have they could have it could have been Nightcrawler. It could have been there's a lot of characters that this could have been. That's the one that's going to try and talk Wade into not doing bad things. Mm. But the fact that they picked Colossus and I, I somewhere I saw that the director was like they didn't they did that character dirty. The shiny guy is not Colossus. We're fixing this. (laughs) And it made me so happy because I love that character and he is so spot on. I would like to see him armor up. I feel like that's such a fun thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, but other than that, like the characterization is really, really strong. They picked a good, a good costume for him. Yeah. So it's not so it's not the bright red and yellow one, but it's also not the, um, Sorry, my husband's phone is in the background. And- <laughs> Mo, you want to answer that? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's such. You're right. It's such an interesting choice because they could have just given us a mutant that we hadn't seen yet in the movie, right? And right. instead, they rehabilitated this, which is like you know, f- adds to the enjoyment for me as well. Like this is comic book Colossus. We're getting it. That's great. Mm-hmm. And you could you could make the the argument that this was the part in the comic book timeline where he couldn't unarmor because there was a time where he couldn't like he was stuck in his organic metal form. No way. Yeah. So so you know it's not. I mean even that is comic book accurate at some level. I also like that Colossus is trying to recruit Deadpool to the X Men the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, here's the thing. I think Deadpool two is such a better movie. <laughs> I don't and remember I'm, that movie that I'm much. so excited about getting to watch it because it's there's just so many ridiculous silly things and we get Domino which who would have ever thought they would have done Domino so well. Yeah. Um and so like I'm almost like a lot of this stuff I was like oh this wasn't in this movie it's in the next one. And and so I'm looking for like like when when the X-Men are trying to avoid Deadpool in the, in the X-Mansion. Mm-hmm. Like I love little shit like that. Like yeah. it just, <laughs> it's so good. I, uh, I did have to stop the movie and explain a few, a few of the jokes, a few of the wink, wink jokes like, uh, Oh, so there's a DC character called the green lantern and, uh, um, Ryan Reynolds got cast and it was a bomb and he had a green glowy, CGI suit. Okay, now here's that joke again. Oh, okay. You know, like they show the they show the little 
Deadpool action figure from X-Men Origins. I'm like, right. remember, we saw that, that character, that's Deadpool. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, I should just sew your mouth shut. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> There's a lot of that. There's probably going to yeah, be more yeah. in the second movie, too. I don't know. Um, I don't remember. Well, I guess there's just going to be a lot of explaining, like, the 90s. <laughs> like, really what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like, are you even going to bother explaining who Cable is? Yeah, I think I will. We, we've had a lot of fun with the sort of doing the setup. So like before we started watching the X-Men movies, we watched an episode of the cartoon of the nineties cartoon. Um, before we watched X2, we watched um, the Chris Claremont documentary. Um, yeah. So we've been doing like, before we watched uh, X-Men, the last stand, we did like a, like a dark Phoenix saga recap on YouTube. So, yeah, it's been fun doing this so far with these movies. There's so much. There's, God, the X-Men universe is just huge. It's huge. Well, and I mean, it's just like when you when you get to Cable, like, <laughs> okay, so when Gene died and then the Phoenix died and they hadn't found the Gene was at the bottom of the Hudson still. So then Cyclops marries this woman Madeline Pryor, and they have a kid, but then the kid gets this virus, so in order to save the kid, Cyclops and the resurrected Jean Grey, who's not actually the kid's mother, takes the kid back into a different time period and raises him in the future, and then he comes back, and that's that's the origin of Cable. <laughs> you know what? We'll just come over to your house. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh... I'll, and you, I'll have I'll have the diagram ready with uh, with uh, the 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 um, yarn and the 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 pin board and get it all set up for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, spoilers for the comic book, but um, I think I saw a tidbit on Twitter recently where now that you know Krakoa is a thing and they're able to bring back mutants, right? Mm-hmm. Is it true? I don't know if you're aware of this. I read a thing. Someone mentioned that um, they they don't bring back Madeline Pryor, and that pisses off Cyclops. But Madeline Pryor wasn't a wasn't a mutant. She was I clone. think I could be wrong. Maybe someone that knows someone listening that knows the comics better than than we do. But um, uh, it says uh, Cyclops himself tells Havoc that while the council has decided to approve resurrection for the original Marauders, they have decided not to resurrect Madeline. Um, yeah, it's a it's a thing. I think um, I need to I need to go back and I like we we should really start reading from where we ended with the um the Dawn of Mutants and all that because yeah yeah I agree. Yeah, because a lot of stuff seems to be happening. It's taking them in a completely different direction. I guess there's a whole thing with the Scarlet Witch bringing back a bunch of the ones that had died before they started this whole experiment. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how she kind of – that's her oh. redemption story. Yes. So this is more involving Havoc. It's, yeah, so this is their on Krakoa. This is Dawn of X. Um, Cyclops himself tells Havoc – they have decided not to resurrect Madeline on the simple grounds that Madeline had been a clone. The decision infuriates and devastates Havoc, 
who screams at his brother that she was a real person, one who did in fact exist. I feel like that's like fandom. Havoc is a is a <laughs> is a standard for a segment <laughs> of fandom going. Madeline was done wrong. She was a real person. Um, what Havoc doesn't know is that the ho- quiet council had not been able to decide whether Madeline was a clone or her own person. So oh. they decided. Yeah. Oh. So th- we got to catch up on the comics, man. Ugh. Maybe that's what I'll do with my afternoon. <laughs> I'm supposed to be working, but I'll just be reading about Jack's men's comics. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, good, good use of your time. Uh, so anyway, yeah, <laughs> we we are going to get into some of the exp- the crazy explanation stuff behind Cable uh, before we watch a Deadpool two. Um, I didn't realize at the end of Deadpool one, the 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 whole climax third act of this movie. I knew it was like. A, a, a scrap yard of some sort mm-hmm. didn't dawn on me that it was a decommissioned helicarrier like avengers helicarrier oh i didn't get that at all that's cool yeah because i was like that makes so much more sense because i remember thinking in this one where the fuck are they like i right, I, get, right, right. I get it's a scrap yard but what kind of scrap yard has this like weird platform where it's it's a major element of the final standoff or, or showdown that that what's his name ajax is somewhere really high <laughs> and that yeah. you know and that deadpool and his his team is really low on the ground and i just i remember thinking at some point what kind of fucking scrapyard has a, is that a thing like and i was thinking is this a ship that has like a bunch of like a cargo ship that has a bunch of those huge trailers on it but it it, it didn't dawn on me that it was a helicarrier yeah, that I didn't get that at all, but that makes perfect sense. And now that you think now, now thinking back on it, it's like, oh yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. And um, it, it ties to the MCU. Yeah. Um, there are okay, so you know when he's in the fight in the junkyard and he says hi to Bob. Yeah, Bob's actually a character. Shut <laughs> the actually, fuck up. He's a he's a Hydra agent that's that that has interactions with. Uh, with Deadpool. Oh, that's hilarious. I just thought, yeah. oh, he used to be a mercenary. This guy's a hired mercenary, obviously hired by Ajax. It makes sense that they would know each other. Right, right. And they and it does, and that's why I think they put it in there, but they found a character that is in like a an episode or an issue or two that's a, a Hydra <laughs> character. Um and apparently the um Cunningham, the guy in the the workshop with him, that they're like making jokes back and forth, oh, yeah. um, is a, is supposed to be a character named the Worm, um, who's a Savage Land mutate. Oh, <laughs> that's geez. a deep. That's a deep cut. That is. And then Vanessa is based on Vanessa Carlisle, who's copycat. Oh, I was wondering why they didn't give her mutant powers or something. I'm like, she's gonna be a mutant, right? I don't remember. Yeah. I, see, I don't remember Deadpool two at all. It's, I, I just I, remember. I just remember the cool bits of of Deadpool two. I don't remember. I don't remember. I remember she's in it, but I remember she's like, there's some something's not right. Something's yeah. like she's somewhere that's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's definitely like a, just a fun like sit back and. Just let it wash over you. The the fun, the humor, the violence, the sarcasm, 
uh, you could just tell they had a shitload of fun making this. And I think that more than anything, like affected our, our viewing of this movie, you know? Right. Right. Uh, afterwards, and Rosie sitting back going, that was fun. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. Probably not what you expected, but going forward now, this is like a, a, a part of the comic book movie landscape. Right. And we see how they're not, they're not erasing Deadpool from the Marvel universe cinematic universe. Yes. He's full. He's the only one I think that's coming in fully intact. Right. And I love the idea of this reality still existing. Even if it's just for Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's so, it's so random. And like, I really do. Like I didn't think, I thought Deadpool two, I think Deadpool two is the more fun movie because they didn't have to do any exposition or origin. They could just be silly. Domino is amazing. And I have a feeling they're going to do the same thing with Domino that they did with um, Quicksilver, where they're going to have to try and top the, her her mutant power use scene because mm. um, you know her power is luck that's not a real power oh yes it is no it's not a real power yes it is um, so yeah I cannot wait to watch that one because I think it's going to be oh I'm just excited about it I remember, it's got Colossus versus Juggernaut I mean yeah that's com- right oh my god <laughs> there's so much about that movie that I've totally forgotten I've only seen it the once so this will be a proper rewatch. Yeah, I've seen it once, but I've gone back and watched um, watched the Domino Power thing because it's just so well done. Be- before we wrap up, I I feel like it's we should spend a little time talking about how this movie even fucking got made. Uh, Ryan Reynolds exactly. like made so many so many plays for this. Yeah, yeah, um, and. Uh, I think everyone, even like people like me who are not huge fans of the of the comic book character, thought, yeah, he's the perfect person to play that character. That's exactly well. It's actually like somewhere in the in one of the issues way back in the day, somebody asked him what he looked like before he got all gross and nasty. He goes, "Ah, well, have you ever heard of that actor Ryan Reynolds?" No way. Yeah, not even kidding you. Huh. Um, but yeah, didn't he make like a, a little scene that kind of went viral? Yeah. And that's when everyone was like, oh my God, this is going to be an amazing fucking movie. Exactly. That's but, exactly uh, what happened. but he did have to fight to, to get it made. Yeah. Uh, I'm um, looking, oh, go ahead. Well, and then you know what resulted from that? Other than the, the amazing Deadpool movie. What? Channing Tatum. What do you mean? Channing Tatum goes, well, if Ryan Reynolds can force a Deadpool movie, I can force a Gambit movie. And that's oh. how we're going to start of the Gambit movie problems. Oh, that fucking totally makes sense. <laughs> and and that's why I think in one of our previous episodes, I'm like, I'm sorry, Channing Tatum is not Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. But I think, too, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, every X-Men character has a a huge segment of fans that, you know, loves that character, right? Everyone has their X-Men character. Um, But I feel like Gambit is just such a relic of the 90s. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think there is a place for him in like when the MCU finally decides to get to him, but they're going to have to find things to do. And I'm not even going to say, I'm not even going to say that I disagree with the idea of uh, uh, the idea of a superhero rom-com. I'm, I'm going to give it to you, Channing Tatum. Brilliant. Brilliant idea. And a mm-hmm. great use of the characters that you're trying to go for. Agreed. But, but he was trying to, he was, he was making a play for that character the way Ryan Reynolds made a play for that character. And Ryan Reynolds had a little bit of a better, I think, team behind him to push that, where mm-hmm. just Channing Tatum's trying to do it on his own, and it just was not not gonna happen. And since mm-hmm. we said, you know, I had to go look it up, and there is a new article about Channing Tatum as Gambit, and it's just a picture of him art artistically rendered into like a a um costume and everybody's like he looks magical no he doesn't he looks like Channing Tatum with with face buttresses <laughs> yep totally uh well maybe that's a difference there because that's a, that's a significant difference between you know Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool where you feel oh yes exactly that's who should play the character and then you hear Channing Tatum as Gambit and you go mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, kind, not really, but kind. Let me ask you a question: Who should Channing Tatum play if he was going to be cast as an X Men? Because he's a he's a built, good looking guy. I mean, he definitely. Oh, I think could, he sh- could play a comic book character, but who? Who? Which X Men character should Channing Tatum play? The the two characters that I would peg him for would be either Havoc, like a really good, legitimate Havoc, Ooh. but I think he's probably a little too old for that now. Or uh, Mimic from the Exiles. Mimic from the Exiles. I'm not as familiar with the Exiles as you are. Um, okay. The first, the first season, I guess you'd call it, the first run of Exiles was basically Blink, Mimic, and then whoever else they threw on the team. But it was, it was the. Oh, I think, I think it was the 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 girl who was the child of. Scarlet Witch and Nightcrawler in some mm-hmm. universe. And there's some really good strong characters. But um but Mimic was like basically dating Blink for a really long time and he was a really, really good character in that. Okay, I'm looking at depictions of him and yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. I mean he could be an older cannonball, but again, I feel like he's too old. Like we need a younger cannonball. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, make, yeah. him, make him make him uh <laughs> make him a uh a villain of some sort. Like I would love to see him as like Avalanche or Eunice the Untouchable, like some of these ridiculous characters that have had just these really long lives. He would be totally down for that too, because he's got a great sense of humor and he's oh, just yeah. he's just down to like go for it with certain roles. Um yeah, I think like Gambit needs like just a real pretty boy actor. And well, you know, Channing is very pretty. He's he's he has like a sort of more of like a, a little bit of a rugged sort of like thing to his look too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like Gambit has to be borderline annoying. Yeah, well, uh, Channing Tatum is too clean cut. Like like Gambit needs to be a little bit rough around the edges. Like hmm. I don't see that as Gambit. I see him as like really like pretty boy. Like re like like not wanting to like I guess bad boy, but I don't know. Oh see I see him as a little more scuzzy than that. <laughs> like I, I see him as a little bit like like sometimes you're like dude you like like you know those you know those 
those rumors. I don't know if they're how true they were or not, but like I think both Ewan McGregor and um um what's his face? Brad Pitt were both known to just like not shower a lot. Ugh. <laughs> and they're these really hot guys that just don't shower like that's always been the gambit feel for me it's like he's hot but dude needs to like take care of himself better because he's just like he feels like he's too hot for water i don't know but yeah that's you know what you're probably right about that (laughs) right does it give you a little bit of that scuzzy go take a shower feel yeah you're right that's <laughs> like his hair never his in in no comic book has gambits or in the cartoon has gambits hair ever looked like it's clean like it looks like it has had product in it forever yeah yeah that's that's a great point <laughs> yeah uh gambits bed definitely does not have a bed frame that mattress no it does floor. not if 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 it does it's full-on futon <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and he sometimes doesn't bother opening to sleep in. He just leaves yeah. it as a couch, and yeah, yeah, he's a really hot guy. You go to hook up with, and just don't tell anyone about. <laughs> just, just like tossing clothes out of the way. Yes. He eats a box. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that's great! You're make it totally happen, right. Marvel. Please totally make it happen. Right oh god. So yeah, no, and you know. Uh, Ryan Reynolds being perfectly cast for Deadpool still had a hard time making this movie made. Um, I didn't know that the Green Lantern really, really put, uh, (laughs) really made it difficult for Deadpool to get made. So when, when Green Lantern came out and was a, you know, fucking disaster that the Deadpool project suddenly Fox was like, let's pump the brakes here. Maybe not. And that they wanted to, they want. They were then trying to figure out a way to to make Deadpool uh, as part of a team movie project. Oh, so, God. like, uh, yes, exactly. And so, uh, um, obviously, Reynolds and his team were like, "No, no, 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 no!" Like, this is <laughs> this is worth being its own movie. And Fox was hesitant. And then the test footage was leaked online by them. Is, yeah. Well, is that is that that they oh yeah that. <laughs> oh, they 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 have not confirmed it in an in they have they have very very pointedly not confirmed it if you know what I mean. Okay. It's like no, we why, we would never no. Why would we do that? We right. wouldn't have done that. You know, it's that kind of that kind of conf- confirmation, right? Uh, he I have a quote that I found from Ryan Reynolds saying, "I would have leaked the test footage myself if I had known it would have caused that." Now we get to make the movie. <laughs> wink, 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 nudge, yeah. nudge. But no, but people lost their minds. I remember that seeing that online going, holy shit, I, w- I want to watch this movie now. Right. And uh, that's what got it made. Yeah. Now, what we should have done, this this could have been, we could have themed this if we had thought about it. And I didn't even think about it until like the very end of watching Deadpool. Um, we should have watched the Christmas special version. You know, there's a Christmas special version. Oh, that's right. Where he's kidnapped uh, Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, is doing it like, and the I've never Princess seen Bride. it. Doing but like he's doing Bride. it like the Princess Bride. Yeah. Shit. 
You're right. We could so that was a missed opportunity because we could have done alternate cuts for both movies this week. Oh, man. Yeah, that's true. So we apologize, listeners. That was our fail. Yep. Well, we'll uh, we'll do a, uh, what's it called? Retcon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, anything else about these two movies? Next week we're watching, or the next over the next two weeks we're watching, I think, Age of Apocalypse and Logan? Or... I'm looking no, at that it. doesn't seem right. No. Geekitude Watch Order. Uh, we are watching yeah, Apocalypse X-Men and Apocalypse and Logan. Who, what was I watching? Oh, duh. I keep referencing this. Uh, Nando's, um, you know, new YouTube uh, video about um, casting the villains. He talks about Apocalypse. And um, you should watch it. It's a, it's yeah, an I hour, watch that one. It's an hour long video. Oh, wow. But it is great, and I think he really nails some of the concepts behind these characters and what makes them cool. And I was particularly um, like happy to hear his description of Apocalypse and why it, you know, as as great as Oscar Isaac is, why it didn't quite work. And um, we should we should include that. We should try to include that in our weekly geekery uh, next podcast when we when we end up talking about X Men Apocalypse. Okay, I will. I will watch that while I am editing. Yeah, because um, yeah, I I agree. That sounds like a. I love Dando. I, I yeah. Although I didn't so love his picks for. I gotta say, I didn't love his picks for Fantastic Four. Same. Didn't love him. Same. I think he hews too closely to the comics sometimes. Well, I also feel like he like. Remember, we had we've had these. You're gonna get a peek behind the curtain, folks. Um, we've had that conversation about um how our episode of recasting the DC actors in Marvel roles was a lot more fun than casting. I think we, we, I think we casted the gambit movie and we did. And the problem is, is that you go for these like niche actors that nobody knows. Mm -hmm. And unless you happen to be familiar with the, with the franchise that they're part of Mm -hmm. and the fun thing about doing it the other way around was that everybody knows who these actors are so that yes. they can kind of play along. Yes. It's kind of like, okay, well, great. You've exp- like, I'm, I'm enjoying more the description of the character yes. he's giving and why he's making the choice than the choice itself. Not naming some character, some actor that no one, that people have to look up while they're listening to the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's going to be fun for next week. So please watch that Nando video. Um, and then we can have like a, a proper talk about, you know, what this is going to become, it's just going to become like geeking out about the future of the MCU. Right. Well, and that's okay. Because I mean, we've already covered the, this, we have, we have reached, cause we didn't even cover the, um, the first Deadpool. I don't think we did. I don't think. What do you mean? I don't think you and I ever actually covered Deadpool. I think we covered Oh, like in a too. podcast review. No, we didn't. Yeah, I think the first one we did was X-Men Apocalypse, and we were really excited because it was the first X-Men one we were ever going to cover. Oh, shit. And and then it was it was what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're also getting what I think is probably the greatest Fox X-Men movie. I would say it's in, like, if we were to put these in with the Marvel Universe movies, I would say it's up in my top five marvel franchise movies just marvel movies period like yeah movies that contain marvel characters yeah 
Same. It's such a good, it's such a good movie. And it has like, I really was upset that Patrick Stewart didn't get an Oscar nod. Oh yeah. Oh my God. He's devastating. He's devastating. Like he like, if there was one person, I just don't know that we're going to have him long enough. If there's just one person I think I'd have to meet from the, the like one celebrity, I think Patrick Stewart would be up there. He's been involved in so many of my favorite franchises. Mm. Um, and from everything I understand, he's just a good guy. Yeah. It's like, like watching, it's not just watching Charles Xavier suffer. <laughs> it's watching, it's watching, um, Patrick Stewart as Xavier suffer that just yep. kills you because it's like you're just such a good person. <laughs> yeah, totally. Have you seen um oh what's the one where he plays a gay guy in the 80s? It's devastating. Well, every movie about gay people in the 90s is devastating, but yeah. Um just a a, a movie if you're looking for something to watch uh, that is completely not comic book related whatsoever. Um, let me make this review real fast because it is excellent. Um, I of course love Pride, which is about the um, uh, the gay people supporting the miners' strike in in England in the nineteen eighties. Such a good movie, but um, it's somebody's name. Like Frankie or something like that. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to put it out because I don't think I'm gonna find it fast enough to. Um, you just don't want to do there. any editing whatsoever. <laughs> it's why well, don't do it. You know, like they literally, this is what they're gonna get. I'm sorry, guys. It's not. You're not getting. You're not getting any editing. <laughs> I already spend I already spend so much time editing my other one that you're yeah. not getting it here. Um, <laughs> oh, it's driving me nuts because it's like one of the most famous um, gay movies out there, and Patrick Stewart plays this absolute wonderful queen, and it is so completely unlike anything you've Jeffrey. Um, go see Jeffrey. He plays this absolutely wonderful character. He will be sobbing at the end of the movie. It is such a good movie. Go watch it. Your Google powers must be off because I literally just Googled Patrick Stewart gay movie and Jeffrey came up immediately. <laughs> I, I made the mistake of doing IMDb because I was already there. <laughs> okay. And so that's why I'm like scrolling through and I'm like, no, I think it was after Star Trek. No, it's back this way. Oh, how did I end up in the 70s? No, he's got, he's had a long career. Um, so yeah, look up, look, if you haven't watched Jeffrey, it's absolutely wonderful. He is not the main character. He is one of the supporting characters and he, in my opinion, steals the show and he, he he goes for very flamboyant gay, and so some people may think that he's making fun of gays. No, I know, I know that character in real life. <laughs> I know that I know the person he is playing. I have several friends who are exactly like him. <laughs> cool. We're going to check that out this week. Yeah, I think I think you and Rosie will absolutely love it. Although Rosie will be sobbing by the end of the movie, which is I honestly like. If if anyone has any more thematic or or kind of creator based recommendations to fill out these, you know, uh, superhero movie watching experiences. I found that like that really makes for even more enjoyment of the, of the superhero films themselves, because 
Um, like I was thinking about, ooh, before we watch Logan, should we watch a Western? Like, should we watch, you know, Unforgiven mm-hmm. or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's not only thematically related, but it, 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 if it's a, if there's similar actors involved, it does give you more of like a take on their, on their characterization that they're playing in the superhero movie and what they're bringing to the table. And you feel like you, you know them more. You know, you're more invested in in their performance and in the work that they're doing in the comic book movie that they're doing. Are you going to show Rosie or has she watched Ex Machina before you watch uh, Moon Knight, which is coming out next week? So, yes, that is literally next on our list is Ex Machina. It's been there for a minute and we're definitely watching it before Moon Knight. Because Oscar Isaac's performance in that is insane. Isn't it? Another Another reason why I don't understand what the Academy Awards are doing, because why in the hell did he not get nominated for that? This is why no one watches the Academy Awards anymore, man. Right? Yeah. Like, I have bummer. no interest. Like, again, yeah. I, I, I think I may have said this off air, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself and I said this on air, but I told um, Ray that I'm not going to bother watching it. The only one that I want to hear the result of is to see if the um, the deaf actor from CODA gets the best supporting actor, which I, I haven't seen any of the movies, but I'm going to be very disappointed if he doesn't, because he was amazing in that. Yeah. We need, we need to catch up with some of these movies. And the plan was to catch up before tonight, which the Oscars, I think is tonight, but we're not going to watch the Oscars anyway. So whatever, no pressure, <laughs> no rush. <laughs> well, then what you should do is watch Coda. So that way you can be as disappointed as I am when he doesn't win the Academy Award. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll do that today. All right, man. Alrighty, man. Uh, it's been good. I will, yeah, it's been good. Uh, we've decided that unless there are reasons to do shoutouts, we are not doing them, so we're moving on. Next week, we are doing um, Logan and Age of Apocalypse. Two weeks, not next week. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. The next time. The next time we are together. Hey, man, the next time we get together, there will only be uh, 15 days of school left. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> Wait, wait, did I get that right? Uh, the math. Well, is I off. mean, it doesn't matter. It's gonna be, it's gonna be close. It's gonna be like yes. maybe twenty days, but it's, it's close. You said it was thirty-nine days, right? Yeah, so it'll be closer to. So yeah. twenty-nine, twenty-five. It'll be twenty-five. I was ten off. It'll be twenty-five days. But and I'll, then, I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. It's almost there. Yeah. By the time we wrap up this X Men rewatch, you're gonna have like it's gonna be the end of your semester. Well, you remember why the whole reason why we're doing this, right? By the time we end this, we're going to be at uh, Multiverse of Magic. And that's going to be... Our Multiverse of Madness. And that's going to be the celebration of the end of the semester as well. Should we get together for Multiverse of Madness? I I think that might be possible. Are you guys guys, um, going out and about now? Uh, We are, little by little, venturing out. It's frustrating... How often we're the only people with masks on? <laughs> but oh, um, I'll be I'll be honest. I don't wear masks at school anymore. I just can't. For I'm teachers just so tired at school, of it. I can totally understand that. I work at a school. I work at a college, and I watch the teachers struggle to teach class with with the mask on. So I totally get it for teachers at school. Yeah, but I got to say, about fifty percent of my kids are still wearing their masks, and I'm like, you know what? Good for you. I'm 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 happy you're doing that. Yeah, same same at our school. Most students are still wearing masks. Um, m- uh, Multiverse of Madness comes out on May sixth. Uh, so yeah, I think that should be a thing we should try to make happen. We're, we're down to come out to you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to come out, uh, let me double check our... We're, we're totally making plans. Let me close the thing and then we'll talk about making plans okay. off air. That's true. Hey, uh, all the episode the of this... Yeah, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more merch music by ben sound at bensound.com geek2geek is a proud member of the geek to geek network check out other geek to geek shows such as the geek to geek podcast tea time with katie and chelsea disney forever you can't stop me loving k-pop the nerdberg review jrpgs and me dragon quest fm mating habits of the modern geek farming simulated planes talker podcast and sometimes rob uh the last episode of as sometimes rob uh has him introducing his his baby boy very cute, the child. So check that out. And then also, I'm going to throw out, can you please all go give some love to As the Dice Roll? Because I'm very proud of it. We've worked very hard on it. And we've got like a bunch of episodes out there. So go check those out because I we have fun. And we want you to share in that fun. Um, can, a, uh, can a non-D&D person understand and enjoy it like me? Yeah. Um, there's, three, there's three campaigns. Um, the longest running one is a sci-fi soap opera type campaign. Um, so it's just telling the story and every once in a while you hear us roll and that determines whether we're successful or not. Um, but you don't need to know the background because it doesn't take place in like a, an existing world. We're creating the world as we go. Um, there is a Dungeons and Dragons one, but again, it doesn't exist in um, uh, any particular Dungeons and Dragons setting. So it's just a bunch of characters at a fair. We only got through seven episodes of that and then went on hiatus and we're trying to convince the GM to come back. And cool. then the last one is mine, which is what is not. And that's um, desert conspiracy horror. Um, so that's awesome. a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, check out our streamers, Capsule J, Bamashox, Troidal Power, Geen, and Nixie, and make sure to join us in Slack or Discord, where you can find us and chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geektitude.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude, or me personally at epicgrays. Ray, where can we find you? Uh-oh. <laughs> I think we lost him. There I, is. I am. <laughs> you know what I did is I, I had to say something to Rosie, so I muted my mic, and then I forgot I was muted. <laughs> just, just silence. Just Ray's. You can't find him. He's got still, st- still not editing. <laughs> still not editing. <laughs> oh man! Uh, just j- jump on Twitter or Instagram at Ray Vargas Three. That's where I spend most of my time online these days. Um, and you can check out some of my work at RamonVargasArt.com. Not a lot. I had to put that on on hold while I finished writing my thesis, which is a little bit more important at the, at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> but um, eventually you'll be able to see all my thesis MFA work up on that website. So yeah, check it out. Excellent, awesome. Well, that's it for us this week, folks. Um, we will see you again in two weeks. And until then, remember these weeks: keep them geek. <laughs> <laughs>